Whatever it takes. We're going to be in three different parts of the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, and you can turn to one or all three if you'd like while I talk eloquently to get us going. Sound good? Luke chapter 19. We're going to read the first 10 verses of that chapter. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2, read the first 12 verses of that chapter, and then Mark 10. We're going to read uh, about six verses there, starting in verse 17. We, like I told you earlier, this month we've been in the series called Whatever It Takes, and we as a church family, for those of you that may be new to our church, our mission is to do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go. We figured and, and we kind of studied and we kind of really, what are the three things that we really need to, to say about whatever it takes? We need to do whatever the Bible says. If we're to be a people that will say whatever it takes and whatever the Bible tells us to do, that we've got to do it. And then we looked at it from a different way. Well, when the Bible says it, who's saying it? It's Jesus. So whatever Jesus says, we need to do it. And then we looked at it from another way. If, if the Bible and Jesus, that means it's coming from the, the heart of God, and God is moving and doing things. So whatever God is doing, we need to jump in and get in on the ride. Because if you can follow the Bible and you can follow Jesus and you can do whatever God is doing, then you're in the sweet spot of ministry. And you're going to do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go. So this morning, I want to look at three stories. I want to look at the story of Zacchaeus. I told you, we're going preschool. We're going to try not to sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but if it breaks out, it's fine. <laughs> I also want to look at the story of the four friends that took their paralytic friend and they dropped him through the roof. And I want to, to also take a look at the rich young ruler who just, there's one thing he just couldn't give up. He couldn't follow Jesus because of one thing. All three stories, I don't really, while Jesus' part is very important, I want you to look at their response. Because when we start thinking, what about us? When what are we supposed to do? Jesus' response is very important. Don't negate it. Don't look past it. But look at the person's response. Because we can learn a lot from how they engaged Jesus, how they had a conversation with him, and how they began to see what Jesus was talking about. So we're going to look at the whys. Why is whatever it takes important? And so let's start in Luke chapter 19. It says this, When he entered Jericho, he was passing through, and a man named Zacchaeus comes, who was a chief tax collector. And he was very rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a very short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up to him and he said, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your home. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw began to complain, saying, He's gone to stay with a sinful man? But Zacchaeus stood there and he said, Look, Lord, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay them back four times as much. And Jesus' response was, today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Why is whatever it takes important? The first reason it's important is because we all need to know Jesus for ourselves, and we need to invite him individually into our hearts. We must do whatever it takes to bring Jesus into our hearts and bring him into our life. When I think about Zacchaeus, I think about kind of a, kind of a celebrity sighting in some ways. That, because if there was a celebrity that was going to pass through Lebanon Pike, 
And, and maybe, you know, we've, we've seen the presidential caravans, and maybe it's a rock star, or maybe it's a sports figure for you. And we told you, look, this person is going to drive right past, and they're going to walk past. I might even stop the car and say something. We would all be at the, the side of the road going, who is this person? I want to see them. I want to talk to them. I'm going to get my picture, because if I post it on Instagram, it's going to blow up. We would do whatever it took to get to that celebrity. I had a friend one time, he loved Alabama football. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's because they've won so many things. I don't know. But Nick Saban came to town. And I mean, he all but leveraged the house to get a ticket to go meet Nick Saban. That's the same mentality right now that Zacchaeus has to see Jesus. I hear your reputation. I hear the miracles that you're performing, and you're about to pass by that I've got to see this man. Zacchaeus has some things going against him, does he not? If you're not familiar with the story, let me just give you what he had going against him. Number one, he was a very short man. We're not going to crack any short jokes, just know that he was a short man. The second thing is that there was a large crowd and people in front of him. And some of you that have been, like I you know, went to my son's football game, and we've been at a few times where we get there a little later, and we're behind some parents that choose to stand, stand up the whole game. And it's like, please sit down, my son's out there. But, you know, they're going to do whatever it takes to see their son, just like I would. The large crowd, he couldn't see. He had to figure out a way to see because he couldn't navigate the crowd. And the reason he couldn't navigate the crowd is because the third thing he had going against them is that crowd hated him. Is there anybody in the room, unless you work for the IRS, that actually likes the IRS? That is Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He had the ability and authority to go in and take your tax money, but then as you learn from reading ahead a little bit, take a little extra. And he did it on the regular basis. These three things he has going against him, and what I love about Zacchaeus is he became a man very quickly that did whatever it took to see Jesus. And some of us, we have some things going against us, and you're not sure if you want to see Jesus because if Jesus sees you, then something's going to change, and you're not ready to change just yet. If Jesus sees me, he'll see my past if Jesus sees me, then this relationship might have to go away. If Jesus sees me, I'll have a lot of things that I have to change, and I don't, I don't want to change because I like what I'm doing. And you have put all these barriers in front of you. I don't want to see Jesus because if I see Jesus, my life would change, but yet you sit here on Sundays and in Bible studies going, I want Jesus to change my life. But we have to be like Zacchaeus and do whatever it takes where nothing stops us where nothing stops us. I love this story because what I learned from this story is when Zacchaeus brings Jesus into his life, notice what scripture says. It's not just Zacchaeus' life that gets changed. It's the whole town. It's the whole town. Did you notice? When you look at the scripture, Zacchaeus not only meets Jesus, but he gives his life to Jesus because Jesus later says in, in one of the verses, verse 9, he says, salvation has come to this house. That's great. If we stop the story there, this is a successful story. But when Zacchaeus sees that people are complaining, he commits things to Jesus that he's never committed before, and you will never hear a person that is a tax collector commit to. He gives up the very thing that he treasured, his money. He gives half of everything he owns to the poor. 
And then he says, Jesus, there are a lot of people here. If I've extorted for them, I'm going to pay it back. And now I'm going to pay it back. I'm going to pay it back four times. Don't you think the town changed when all of a sudden they got all the resources back? Now they could take care of their families. Now they could run their businesses. Now they could get their education. Now they could do a lot of things because all the resources had been returned. Salvation not only came to the town where Zacchaeus was and the house that Zacchaeus resided, but salvation began to come to the city because they got to watch Jesus do something miraculous, something they probably had prayed about, like, Jesus, I don't know how we're going to get the next meal. And for some of those families, they got the next meal times four. Because Zacchaeus said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to see Jesus. We need to be a people that does whatever it takes because when Jesus comes into our life, it's not just our life that gets changed. It's the lives of every person around us, the lives of our families, the lives of our coworkers, the lives of our neighbors, the lives of our community. We need to become a people that is willing to take any barrier and just knock it down so that we can see Jesus. Choosing Jesus to be the Lord of your life does not only impact you, but it impacts the future of everyone around you. Second story I want to do, before I get there, let me tell you, how do I do that? Let me give you some practical things. Let's don't get too far ahead here. How do I do that is you need to begin to pray, and this is going to be a redundant thing on the how-tos. Just get ready. You need to begin to pray and say, Jesus, what are the barriers that are keeping me from seeing you? What are the barriers in my life that keep me from seeing what you're doing, keep me seeing from what you want to change in my life, keep me from really following you with all of my heart? And then you begin to pray, and you lay them before the Lord, much like we did today. Maybe you write them in a journal, you write them on a piece of paper. And then you begin, the second thing is to make steps toward moving in God's direction. Maybe you spend less time with those relationships. Maybe you spend less time complaining and more time praising. Maybe you, you just change the attitude of, and make it a gratitude. And you begin to see Jesus do some different things. You do things because Romans tells us that there is nothing that can separate us from Jesus. There is nothing this world can offer. There is nothing that Satan can try that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. You do whatever it takes to get those barriers. And you, if you need to, Continue to read through the Gospels, and you will see not only Zacchaeus' life, but you'll see multiple lives that Jesus changed because he showed up in their lives. It's absolutely incredible. The second story I want to look at is Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 might be the greatest friends ever written about in Scripture. We have, we have preached on this passage before. Uh, the students, those that are in student ministry, they got a taste, a preview, because we talked about this on Wednesday night. But I love Mark chapter 2, and I think it's important because not only do we need Jesus in our life, but we need to do whatever it takes to get our friends to Jesus as well. So before we go any further, let's look at Mark chapter 2, reading verses 1 through 12. And we, when he had entered, he, Jesus, had entered Capernaum. Again, after some days, it was reported that he was at home because this is now his hometown. So many people had gathered together that were there, and there was no more room, not even in the doorway, for anyone to get through. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them, four friends. Since they were not able to bring him to, uh, because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof above him after digging through. They lowered the friend on a mat which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes were sitting there. They were questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
And right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking these things and within themselves. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or for God, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? So you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. In verse 12, immediately he got up, took his mat, and went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Why is whatever it takes important? Because we all have friends that need Jesus. And we need to become a church and a people that do whatever it takes to get our friends there. I want you to think about somebody right now. Coworker, somebody in your home, somebody in your neighborhood. Maybe somebody that's been to our church a couple of times. And I want you to write their name down, either on a little note that you're taking, or maybe put the initials, because I know some of you are sitting around some friends, and Maybe you want to keep it private to yourself, but you write their name down or something, how you would know that this is the person I'm talking about. Now I want you to ask yourself the question, how far am I willing to go? What am am I willing to do to make sure that they get to Jesus? How is my heart going to help them get them to Jesus? Jesus. You see, if we're truly honest, and, and if you have said, well, all my friends go to church, don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. But there are two things about it. One, that's a total lie. And two, you need some new friends. All your friends don't go to church. There are people in your life, maybe you just need to identify them as friends. You need to love them so much that they become friends, but they're in your life. And you need to be willing to do whatever it takes. And if you say, man, that's not at all here, then you need new friends. Because Jesus didn't put you on for a select few. He came to save the world. Did he not? So if Jesus came to save the world, then we need to make new friendships constantly. We need to build relationships, and we need to do whatever it takes to get them the message. We need to be a people that would tear the roof off this place to get my friend to come see Jesus. How incredible it would be if we had a friend that was drowning in Percy Priest or Old Hickory Lake. Man, we would do whatever it takes to get them out. Right now, there's some people that you know, and I've, I've got my friend in ICU. If I could do anything, we, and many of you know this friend, we would do anything to do whatever it takes to get them healed and get them whole and get them out. That's the motivation that we would bring to the table. Why won't we take that same motivation to those that are dying from spiritual illness? Why won't we take that same passion, that same zeal to the people that refuse to acknowledge that Jesus is real? We need to be like those four friends that don't take no for an answer, that don't look at a crowd and be like, well, maybe next week. They were really, they were willing to not only put their friend's life into the hands of Jesus, but you imagine if that roof would have torn completely apart? They all may have needed some healing, but they were willing to do whatever it takes I can imagine they tried everything, doctors, healing pools, like we talked about in John chapter 5 last week. I can imagine they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They had a lot going against them, delays in getting there because they're carrying a man. They had delays against them, or they had things going against them because there's a large crowd and there's no room to get in. But they didn't stop. Look at verse 4, though. Mark chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to go 4 and 5 here. 
But since they could not get him in to see Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above by digging through it and lowering the man on a mat that he was lying on. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Paralytic's faith? I'm pretty sure he had some faith. Had a faith in the mat that he wasn't going to break through it. He was all in on going to see Jesus because if anybody could fix him, it was going to be Jesus. But Jesus doesn't say your faith. He looks at the roof and goes, man, because of those guys right there, your sins are forgiven. How incredible. Your faith can make the difference in somebody else coming to see healing. Your faith. But we have to be willing to put it on display. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes. How could I do that? You have to really adapt to Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. That you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. Man, because I know many of us, we sure would love a friend or two to go through a roof and drop us down to heal, get healed by Jesus, would we not? If they have that passion, then so do we. We need to have that passion. We need to pray. I know I told you, redundant. We're going to pray. You take that name or you add names to that list and you begin to pray for them on the regular. You begin to pray for them and you put down every situation that they're facing in life, even the ones that you don't know about. Because where I come from, and Callie can tell you this, and my life group can tell you this, our staff can tell you this, I will tell you till I'm blue in the face, there is a story behind the story. I'm going to pray for the ones I know and I'm going to pray for the ones I don't. And I want to pray for my friends. I want to put them so firmly in front of God that they can't help but respond to God. And I want to text them. I want to call them. I want to visit with them. I want to uh, take them to coffee, whatever I've got to do. And for some of you, the easiest way to do that is find a place to serve. Find a ministry. Serve your neighbors. Love the people around you. Be willing to rip the roof off so they can see Jesus Christ. I don't want to pass it over like, yeah, that's easy for them. It was a Kind of a grass hut there, and he just kind of, no. It's not about what they did. It's about why they did it. Because they knew the only way to get their friend whole was to see Jesus. So not only do we need to see Jesus, not only do we need to have a passion and a heart for other people to see Jesus, we need to make sure that there's nothing holding us back. Follow up with me in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 17. Once again, a very familiar passage. I will tell you in just a moment that many of us will look at this passage and we'll try to armchair quarterback this story all day long. And if you don't know what armchair quarterback is, maybe ask your husband, ask the person that watches football, because they will second guess every play that gets called on every game, doesn't matter what the game is. So here we are in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. It says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him, knelt down before him, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, and do not commit adultery, and do not steal, and do not bear false witness, do not defraud or anything, or, and honor your father and mother. The man then replies to him, Teacher, I've kept all these from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus loved him. That's a very key phrase there. Jesus loved him 
He said to him, you lack one thing. One thing. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Just a few minutes ago, we read a story that man said, hey, the one thing I love, you guys can take it. Fast forward to this story of this man. No, I'm not giving that up. Isn't it interesting how two different people can have the same scenario? One clings to obedience, and one clings to something he can control. Why is whatever it takes important? Because we must understand and appreciate that if there's even one thing, one thing holding us back from Jesus Christ, we will not be able to do whatever it takes. Let me say that again. We must understand and appreciate that if there's even one thing holding us back, we will never be able to do whatever it takes. Ask yourself and pray about what are the things in my life that I'm not willing to let go? What are the non-negotiables? That's a long prayer that I, you cannot ask. You cannot find an answer in 10 seconds. Because here's what I know. When you begin to ask that prayer, and that's a dangerous prayer sometimes, you know what God's going to reveal to you? He's not going to reveal to you one thing. He's going to reveal to a handful or more. And you're going to have to decide, do I really want to let these go to follow Jesus Christ? It's a tough question. We need to get to a place where everything we have, everything we own, every relationship we're a part of, there's nothing that we would hold back from Jesus Christ. Nothing. Everything's got to be held open-handed. You realize that? You think about everything that you have on your person right now. Everything needs to be held like this. Well, Scott, what if somebody comes and steals it? Then to the glory of God, because whatever they had, they've taken Maybe God can use it for their salvation. You don't, know what I'm, you don't know what I'm a part of, and you don't know what God has really given me this. Then if he gave it to you here, he will give it to you here. That's just God's nature. I've never known God to, to take a, one relationship away without bringing two or three others in front of it or, or right alongside it. I've never someone that says, hey, I feel like I've got to give this job up for Jesus. That somebody says, well, man, Jesus provided something I didn't even know was possible. Man, there's not a person in here that regrets tithing and giving their offering. Because they know even if it's small, God can take it, turn it, multiply it, and use it in powerful and wonderful ways. That we are like, man, I didn't even think that would pay a light bill. Everything open-handed, nothing held back from Jesus. That's the way that we need to approach this. It's not about the money. Can we just say that? In this particular story, it is not about the stuff. It's about the heart. And for so many of us, if I start crying, I apologize. Really, I don't. Just take that back. If we're not willing to put things at the feet of Jesus, then why are we even singing songs about him? It's not mostly about Jesus. It's not kind of about Jesus. It's only about Jesus. So if there's something in you, you're like, man, I don't want to give that to Jesus. I got this. You don't have it. You can't control it. You can't stop it. Only Jesus can. Man, will you trust him with that thing? 
Because it could mean the difference between death and life for you. And if you believe the story of Zacchaeus, it's the death and life of the people around you. It's only about Jesus. We cannot do whatever it takes until we give Jesus 100% of our heart. Would you like to hear some of the dominoes about that? Great, great answer. Glad you're excited about that. (laughs) If you give Jesus 100% of your heart, that means you just gave him 100% of your life. If you give Jesus 100% of your life, then that means you gave him 100% of your faith and trust. Everybody with me? The dominoes are starting to fall now. That means if I give him 100% of my heart, and I give him my life, I'm giving him my, my, excuse me, I'm checking my faith and trust, make sure I want to get the right notes in the right order, that means my schedule, my plan go in his path too. And whatever Jesus does, it's going to be all right. And if I do that, I'm going to give him my obedience. Some of you have been a long time faithful people of the faith. We say well-seasoned, we say all kinds of stuff. But I bet you, if you're new to the faith or you're wondering if this faith is even real, if you ask even one person that has been in, in a part of a relationship with Jesus longer than, let's say, you know, five, six years, and you could probably even say somebody that's been like six months, but truly, somebody that's been there for a while will tell you there's not a day they've regretted it. Now, I hear all the time, I was listening to a podcast this week, if somebody was like, I deconstructed my faith, I, deconstru- I don't believe it at all, I don't buy it. You know why I don't buy it? because they're trying to control their faith in Jesus. And they try to control it from the start, and they're trying to control it now. It's not about their control. It's about being obedient to Jesus Christ. Be obedient to Jesus from the start. Man, we need to have Jesus in our lives. So how do I do this? You need to pray frequently. Man, you need to pray frequently. Every day, you need to find a quiet place alone without noises. You need to turn the phone off. You say, well, the phone is my Bible. Then find a paper Bible. If you need one, come find me. We've got plenty around here. Get you a paper Bible, and you go sit in a moment, and you just have time with Jesus. You read his scriptures. You read the gospels. You pray, and you ask Jesus, is there anything standing between me and you? Anything. And then if there's anything you want to deconstruct, deconstruct that. Deconstruct that wall. Journal, Bible, prayer journal. Find ways that you see Jesus responding and you just say, man, I watched Jesus do this in my life, and I watched Jesus do this in my life. And man, that friend finally came to know Jesus. That took a while, but it was awesome. And you just keep seeing Jesus do thing after thing after thing, and all of a sudden there is nothing holding you back because you have watched Jesus be faithful time and time and time and time again. Give it all to him. And we need to get to a place. You need to get to a place. I need to get to a place where everything that's in my hand is not mine. It's simply a tool that God can use to reach people for Jesus Christ. You with me? So as we summarize this whole series, whatever the Bible says, ask yourself, is that my standard for living? If this book right here, does this book teach me, encourage me, challenge me? Does it guide me? Do I listen to it? Is this everything I need for Jesus? It doesn't matter how much you know, it's how much you live. Am I living what this word says? Am I living what these scriptures teach? Is the Bible my standard? Whatever Jesus says, then you need to get after it with all your heart. No waiting, no questioning, no maybes. You get after it. 
and whatever God is doing, you have the strongest desire to be a part of it. So today I want you to think about, first and foremost, do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have I put a barrier? Have I put an excuse? Have I put something in front where I can't see Jesus? And if that is true, then this morning, before you leave this place, no more barriers, nothing holding you back. You get to Jesus. Are there friendships? Are there people in your life where you say, man, my friend, gosh, they need Jesus. Then you do whatever it takes to help them find Jesus. Even if it means tearing the roof off this place, you go help them find Jesus. But those of you that have been in the faith for a while, you need to ask yourself the question, is there anything that I have put, not Jesus, is there anything that I have put in front of the Lord and before you leave this place, you confess it so that when you walk out of this place, there is nothing holding you back from being obedient. So as we respond, this altar is going to be open. You can come pray. Front row, you can come sit. I know we got friends outside. I know they're going to be waiting for us. I know they're going to make some noise. You put it all out of the way so you can just be with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we do. We want to be a people that say whatever it takes, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. Father, that's really tough if I have no relationship with you. I can't do whatever it takes if I don't know you. So whatever barrier I've put in front and said, no, I can't do it, I can't do it, let that barrier go away. If it's a tree, I'm going to climb it. If it's a mountain, I'm hiking. If it's the depths, I'm, I'm swimming. But whatever I have to do to see you, I want to do that today, right here, right now, before I leave this place. Father, there's a friend, and I have friends in my life right now. They need you more than ever. They need your presence. They need your healing. They need your, 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 just your love and your grace. Father, develop a passion and a, and a zeal for, for you and your love that I will be willing to do whatever it takes. I will go the lengths of the earth to the uttermost parts to make sure they can meet you. Father, personally, you and I have had a relationship for a while. But if there is anything back, anything between us that I'm holding back or I'm trying to hold on to, God, I want through the power of your Holy Spirit for that to be revealed to me so that I can deconstruct it. I can get it out of my life. So there's nothing holding me back from being obedient. Father, there may be some friends in this room that have felt the same as I do and they hear the call and they know what they need to do. If this morning it's their time to accept you and choose you and put them in your life, God, I pray that they will be bold and courageous and come say, today is my day. But God, if there's something else that they need to deal with you, just do some business with you and just, man, we just need to work it out. Then as we sing this song, we work it out. But God, may we be a people that do whatever it takes to honor you, to glorify you for your kingdom, your glory, and yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen.